0: first letter to church in Corinth. We're looking at chapter 15 and verse 1. It says there this, Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise You have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and was raised on the third day also according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared to me also. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and your faith is in vain. Let's pray. God, as we consider the challenging words of uh, Paul, we pray for insight in understanding on who you are and who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, for weeks, we've been uh, leading up to this moment, considering the life and death of Jesus in our uh, Easter journey here together and then last uh, week, we gathered together in Central Park, and we want to thank you for all of those who were there on Sunday morning at 11. In the midst of the park, we got to celebrate the resurrection together with uh, with many of you in the community and also with Central Park, which was hard to beat. And uh, so we're turning our attention now to the resurrection again after these uh, f- last several weeks where we've been looking at uh, Jesus' last f- few Uh, days and then his death we have the opportunity now to turn our attention to the resurrection as we think about those disciples who had some time during the week between the uh, the first day of the week and the resurrection to that time when they would all gather together in their synagogues uh, to celebrate the first sabbath together and that must have been an incredible uh, time having gone through what they had gone through the the sadness and despair of Uh, their friend Jesus and the one who their hopes and dreams were uh, rooted in dying than to seeing him be raised again and many of them as Paul articulated actually got to meet and talk with him to the celebration of that next Sabbath together and so we can only imagine how they must have felt and so today we are here to be thoughtful about their journey and our journey as a community of faith as we think about the implications of the resurrection now course you know that uh, most uh, people in the world uh, don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus as a historical event and even uh, some who profess to be believers in Jesus teaching uh, don't necessarily believe in the literal resurrection and uh, I would assert to you at some level this makes perfect sense Um, none of us None of us, I can say without question, have ever seen anyone who has been dead for parts of three days come back to life. And the reality is that there's really no, there's no evidence in contemporary science that this is even possible. Uh, Current scientific research, in fact, uh, focuses on longevity and reversing aging there's not research being done, at least legitimate research being done on how to bring somebody who's been dead for several days back to life. You wouldn't get grants for that kind of research because it's just outside of the, the framework of contemporary science. So we, 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 we focus our inten- our intentions on on living longer and living more healthfully and rightfully and rightfully so and so this idea of resurrection is in some sense absurd and so if if you are wrestling with this as a reality i get it i get it it's bizarre and yet and yet the bible is incredibly clear resurrection is the fulcrum of christian theology in our text of emphasis again that great great uh, christian preacher that 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 man who believed in the resurrection he says if pri- pri- if It is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead. How can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Now, I'm reading this. Two things immediately jump out to to me. Firstly, we note that uh, soon after the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, here in a very uh, prominent church in uh newborn christianity this church of corinth we clearly have people who identified themselves as followers of the way followers of jesus who apparently did not believe in the resurrection i mean paul wouldn't be asking this question if there weren't people who 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 didn't believe in the resurrection and secondly we note that paul is unequivocal our faith is useless without the resurrection our faith is useless without the resurrection so clearly there were people even in the first century who were following jesus at least at some level uh, but didn't really embrace the resurrection and secondly we have paul coming and saying without question the resurrection is essential without the resurrection all the work that he does as a a preacher and all the faith that people in the community have is useless is useless it's, it's quite a statement now i uh, would suggest to you again that paul's uh, claim for the uselessness of uh, christian religion is uh, without the resurrection is based on two uh, truths two truths and uh, here are those two truths first of all humanity Hasn't done a great job of solving the world's problems. Humanity hasn't done a great job solving the world's problems. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Good things have happened over the years. I mean, thank God for indoor plumbing. You know, amen to that. Not everywhere in the world currently today has that. You ever think about it? You turn the water on. You flush the toilet. Everything goes bye-bye. It's a beautiful thing. Technology has done incredible things. There are diseases that used to exist that wiped out large portions of humanity that are no longer around. Fantastic. Thank goodness. No, I don't want to go back in time. But the reality is there are human problems that continue to exist that we just haven't done a great job solving. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're an optimist. That's fine. Amen to that. Um, although... I know with all the political movements in the world, optimism seems to be headed in in a different uh, direction. Uh, But maybe you're an optimist, but consider this. Here's the list of the top 10 biggest global challenges according to the World Economic Forum. This is their their list of top 10 uh, biggest global challenges. Food security, food security, security, income, Inequality. We're not talking about the United States here now, we're talking about the world. What are the issues that the world is dealing with in 2017? Food security, income inequality, unemployment, climate change, uh, global finance. How do, we, how, do, how, do we, how do we make sure that the, the world itself is on the right track when it comes to, to finances? Internet security and privacy is the, the, the internet. Propagates across the world. How do we make sure that people are secure not being taken advantage of and that they have a privacy? Gender equality. We know still a gigantic issue in the world. Global trade. How are we fair as a human race with each other in global trade? Long-term investing and global economic growth. How are we uh, thoughtful as a human race about about our in investments and making sure that we're taking care of the things that we need to take care of as humans. And finally, health care, health care. Now, I would assert that even though, again, a lot of great things have happened, if we were to go back uh, two thousand years ago, we would find that there were additional problems, certainly, but this list wouldn't have changed that much, would it have? I mean, we're still dealing with food security. It's 2017. Shouldn't everybody be able to have enough of food and it should be secure and equally distributed? Shouldn't we have been able to figure that out? You would think so, right? Paul, Paul you're working with food security. Still an issue, right? We're we working with an NGO. How, how, why haven't we figured this out? Should be solved. Income inequality. There's got to be a way we can figure out... How to solve income inequality. And yet, what's happened? Things have gotten worse. There's more inequality. Unemployment. You know, we, we, we pr- promote technology, and nobody loves technology more than I do, but the reality is technology creates issues with employment. What Elon Musk this week was, as he's been saying for months now, we we might have to, you know, the, the founder of, of, of Tesla and and. SpaceX is saying, you know, we might have to get to the point where we just give everybody an equal amount of money because robots are going to be ruling the world and they're going to be doing all of our work. You heard him say this this week? I mean, this isn't just some Joe Schmo. This is one of the, 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 the advanced thinkers in the world saying this is a real issue. Employment or unemployment, climate change. There are those who's not even sure this is happening. Global finance, inter- internet security, gender equality, global trade, long term investing in global economic growth, healthcare. If we were able to get in a time machine and go back 2,000 years, these issues were there then. How have we not solved these basic issues? The second uh, truth behind Paul's claim that the resurrection is done only hope and if the resurrection isn't true that that it's 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 pointless your faith death remains a reality for everyone death re- remains a reality for everyone even if we figure out every item on that list of 10 problems the world is facing if we figure out every Single one of them, there's still an existential problem that every human being on the planet has to recognize at some point you are going to die. Bummer. I mean, it's it's bad news. Think of the most influential person in human history outside of this century. The most influential person, the smartest person, the wealthiest person. Where are they today? They're dead. My, my favorite is old New Yorker John D. Rockefeller. Considered the second most wealthy person in the history of the world. That's quite a list to be on second wealthiest person in the history of the U- world of course he was a new yorker half, half of new york is named after him great guy smart guy religious guy christian in fact our friends down at west 11th street are worshiping in a building that was partially funded by his donations when it was a, a methodist church i believe in fact he may have even attended uh, there. good guy i mean if anybody could figure out How to solve the world's problems or figure out this thing of death. It had to be somebody like him, right? Where is he now? He's in a grave somewhere. I'm sure he's got a fantastic suit on. Armani. In the grave. Dead. Death is a reality for everyone. And it's something that none of us are able to get away from. Uh, By the way, it's not for uh, lack of trying. That we try to get away from death or, or 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 embrace resurrection on our own it's not because we haven't uh, a tried um, at coachella 2012 i wasn't there in 2012 just to be audience members were shocked shocked when tupac showed up you remember this anybody at coachella 2012 Tupac showed up. Now, Tupac had died in 1996, for those of you who are big Tupac fans. So when he showed up at Coachella in 2012, that was somewhat shocking, to say the least. Uh, as it turned out, the uh, resurrection, which it was called, the resurrection was just the beginning of a trend to bring uh, back uh, celebrities to perform, even though they had died, uh, using 3D scanning and projection. Uh, a Rolling Stone magazine article on this subject explains uh, a little bit about the holographic uh, company behind this, called, creatively, Hologram USA. <laughs> Hologram USA, really? You, you, you tech, now that's your name, Hologram USA, about oh, fair enough, okay. Hologram USA is the company. So this is the, a quote from the Rolling Stone magazine. It says, there's already plenty of evidence that computer-generated versions of humans will become increasingly common. Peter Jackson's Weta Digital, uh, Weta Digital reanimated the late Paul Walker for Furious 7, Fast and Furious fame. In Furious 7, one of the actors was not alive. Of course, for those Star Wars fans, you all got really excited when, when I, I don't want to spoil I spoiled it for the first service people, um, but, but an actor... Who is now dead is in the film. You guys know what I'm talking about. So digital, digital creations. Uh, the article goes on here that last year Paul McCartney got himself 3D scanned for an appearance in a video game. Paul McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney, got himself digitally scanned. Uh, for now, the main obstacle to bringing someone back to life is that uh, a decent 3D image is needed to start with. And then this, the, the, one of the people were are being interviewed gives all of us this wonderful advice. If I were one of those folks concerned about their legacy, I would say before you get a day older, get yourself scanned in high resolo- resolution. Prepare yourself. That's some good advice. I mean, you want resurrection? You want resurrection? Don't say that you didn't get some advice here. Don't wait a day older. You you don't want another wrinkle on your face for the digital scan? Immediately go. Now, I looked this up. There is a company that is sponsoring the message today, Artec 3D. They have three locations in the United States. This is somewhat new technology because you can go there, and you get in the machine, and it around you, and it will take a high-definition 3D scan. Did you know this? President Barack Obama was the first standing president have a 3d scan of himself and now you know how they have the busts of the president barack obama has the first bust that was created by via 3d scanning it wasn't an artist's interpretation of him they used all these mathematical calculations and it, it's an incredible so don't don't according to the, the rolling stone managers don't wait a day get your 3d scan because that is the future of resurrection for you isn't that good news by the way, I love that uh, Hologram USA, they admitted that they're not actually producing holograms. So not, 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 this gets better. It's not even a hologram. It's not. A, they said they use what is almost basically saran wrap. And it's a big sheet of saran wrap. And they project. This is 150-year-old technology. They project an image on the saran wrap. And it looks like a 3D holograph when you're in the, in the crowd. This is as far as we've come when it comes to Resurrection. As human beings saran wrap and a projection get your 3d scan now death remains a reality for every one of us and we haven't come up with good solutions to it yet so what's gonna solve the problem that's the question that's the existential question for us today what's gonna solve this uh, problem we have a world that is broken a world that has problems that despite our technology and our smarts and our philosophy we haven't figured out how to make things right and we take one step forward and sometimes two steps back we 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 we, we, we cure a disease and then we create economic inequality and people are hurting and dying and 40% of the children born in the world are are, are, are living not sure where they're gonna get food today you, you get where I'm going with this the world is broken it's a broken place and so that's a problem but then, an even more existential problem is that every single one of us is going to die. Even if we figure out all the world's problems, every single one of us is going to die. It's bad news. You came here for bad news today, right? Yeah, well. The gospel has been called the best news ever after the worst news possible. We just heard the worst news the world is broken and we haven't been able to fix it and then we're broken and we haven't been able to fix our our, ourselves and ultimately every one of us like John D Rockefeller and every other smart or unsmart person who lives on this planet is going to end in a grave what's going to solve the problem there's a, a prophecy found in one of the Old Testament writers Maybe the most prolific of all of the, 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 the messengers, the writers in the Old Testament. His name is Isaiah, and he writes this in Isaiah chapter 65. This is, this is through him a message from God. See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. This is Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 17 for those following along. But be glad and rejoice forever in whatever I will create. I will create a new city to be the delight of its joy and its people. I will rejoice over this city and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping or crying will not be heard in it anymore. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who died at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered a curse. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them. You see what Isaiah is doing? He's he's articulating in detail the problems that humanity has has dealt with. Income inequality, where you have one group of people who's building the houses, but they don't get to live in them. Other people come and live in them. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their own fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their own hands. They won't uh, labor in in vain. There will be employment. And it will be sure. They won't labor in vain. Nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord they will have descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear them. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. And the lion and lamb will eat straw like the ox. Even even the environmental problems are going to be taken care of. The natural problems are going to be taken care of. This is the, the promise of resurrection and new life. The world is a broken place and the only solution is rooted in God's work on humanity's behalf. We're not going to fix this stuff on our own. It doesn't mean we should give up, pick up the tent. We still work hard for the goodness of this world, but we have to recognize that ultimately it's going to be something outside of ourselves that's going to make things right for those who want to live in a just a world. What about this issue of, of death, this existential issue that we all deal with? In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, we will read this. Since the children, the children of humanity had flesh and blood, God too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death now Paul is getting at really an important issue and that is that whether we think about it or not and hopefully you're not thinking about it too much because that would be a morose life but all of us have a shadow hanging over our heads I mean you could walk out of here today and God forbid somebody hit you with a bicycle and that's it for you or or a bus I'll take a bus over a bicycle by the way a bicycle seems much slower very morose today. I'm sorry. There's 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 a, a, a shadow, and we don't like to think about it too much, and nor should we. That would be a depressing uh, life. But there is a, a, a shadow of a fear of death because it's a reality. We are fragile people. I mean, yes, we can survive a lot of things, but ultimately we're we're fragile. First Thessalonians chapter four. We read this. Brothers and sisters, again, Paul loves that concept, the church is a family. We don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you you grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. See, for Paul, this is a big issue. Hopelessness. We don't want you to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus all of those who have fallen asleep in him. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, you read this passage, and it's just so almost unbelievable that it's hard to grasp a hold of. But this is the reality that that Paul and the Bible writers are are, are calling humanity into, that God is more powerful and operates on a different plane than we're accustomed to. That he is more powerful if you will, if it helps, technologically advanced. That he knows more, that he's smarter, that he knows what's going on and how the universe operates. And while we sometimes think very highly of ourselves and our ability to know how the, uh, the universe operates, the reality is we know so very little. And I'm not just talking about you and me, I'm talking about the human family as a collective. We don't know that much about how the universe works. What was it like like 100 years ago where Einstein came up with, th- with his theory, and it took just until, what, last year when gravitational waves were first discovered, he had a theory, and it took 100 years just to figure out if his theory was even true or not. And that's just one little example of how little we know about how the universe works. And so the Bibles look like God is just a lot incredibly more advanced than we are. And so if you want to think it in technological terms, and that helps, go for it. He's ahead. And the only hope for humanity is that God can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That he knows more. He's been around longer. He cares about us. He knows how the world operates. And in him we have hope. And if we're, 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 we're set on trying to figure out things for ourselves. This is back to, to Paul. He says like the resurrection is, is everything. Everything. It's, it's not just the hope for the, the Christian, it's the believer, for the believer. It's the hope for everyone because if there's no resurrection, where, where where do we end up? We're all dust in the wind. The only hope for humanity and for this world is that God's resurrection power is available to Everyone. God it has a plan to restore this world to the way it's supposed to be, where justice reigns. And we don't give up on fighting for justice now because God isn't just a God of the future. Resurrection power is available now. And so we fight for justice. And we fight for goodness. But ultimately, even that fight is rooted in God's work. Because of the resurrection, we can take hope in the supernatural, that God does what we can't do. And that there is indeed a power beyond our humble ability to get things done. And that even today we can take advantage of the resurrection. And so, but what role do we play? Well, Jesus was very, very clear, and he said this a number of times when asked... Question very similar similar to that. What what do we do? And Jesus, I, it, sometimes I wish it was more complex than this because it would make everybody feel a little bit, bit better that we somehow contribute to things. But Jesus was very clear. You know what he said? He said, "Believe," literally this over and over. Jesus, like, believe. You have to, to to embrace that God is able to do this. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable. Believe. And I I know that that in itself can be challenging because we're talking about things that are somewhat beyond our human capacity to understand and embrace. Jesus was like, believe, believe in the one that God has sent. That's Jesus' own words. God is calling humanity. He's calling you and me to embrace and believe that he's capable of doing what only he can do. And once we believe, God is able to work within us to bring about Justice in the small ways, looking forward to the big way when He makes all things new. God working to heal and restore a broken world, and God working to heal and restore broken lives through the resurrection. Believe in God's promise. And resurrection is yours, not just in the future, but here and now, today. Christian faith, and all philosophy and technology is useless without the resurrection, ultimately. It does good, but only for temporary. But God is the God of the eternal. And so today, as we celebrate the resurrection, we have good reason to celebrate. God has done for us what we can't do for ourselves in Jesus. And he wants to keep doing things force that we can't do for ourselves in our life now today his resurrection power enabling us to be new creations as we look forward to ultimate things and a healed world and a healed race let's pray God, we talked about big things and complex things, and we recognize in humility that we know so very, very, very little about you and how you operate and how this world operates. We're thankful for what you've revealed to us. We, We thank you for science and scientific minds, and we thank you for technology, and we thank you for medicine, and we thank you for all that you've done to bring us to this point in human history we thank you for plumbing, I thank you for plumbing, but we recognize here and now today that the world is not where it needs to be, that there is so much brokenness, and that even though we're here in New York City today, there are places that, even in this city, but beyond this city, where people are just devastated, where people aren't sure where they're going to eat tonight. And so open our eyes to the needs of this world and help us to believe that you are capable of doing what we cannot do and empower us to live a new kind of life, a life full of justice and hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.